In the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 12, it says, Indeed, the word of God is living and effective, sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating even between soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and able to discern reflections and thoughts of the heart. Yes, the word of God is living and effective today in my life and in yours. And that's the very reason why I'm offering this weekly podcast where I reflect upon the liturgical scripture readings for the Sunday Mass. So now please join me on Faith Moments with Dina Marie as we break open the Word of God together, inviting His Word to change our lives forever. Greetings and welcome to Faith Moments with Dina Marie, a weekly podcast to ponder and to proclaim the Sunday Mass readings. And here it is, the fourth Sunday of Advent. Have you lit that final candle on the Advent wreath? Have you seen that final candle be lit in your church? And we are going to count down the days to Christmas. And so I want to begin with a little booklet that I started this season of Advent with. It's called Christmas Customs and Prayers. And this has a beautiful prayer for the fourth week of Advent. And so it's just been a wonderful bookmark from beginning to end of the Advent season. And then we're going to continue to use this booklet as we move into the Christmas season for some meditations and prayers as we begin this podcast. The scripture that this this particular prayer comes from is from Luke chapter one. Of course, we'll be hearing from Luke in today's gospel. The angel Gabriel said to Mary, do not fear, Mary, you shall conceive and bear a son and give him the name Jesus. Great will be his dignity and he will be called son of the most high. Let us pray. Oh, Jesus, I believe you were born of Mary and our God's son. Your mysterious coming is beyond understanding. Yet like your holy mother, Mary, I wish that you would come to me, for you promised you will. Let me serve you in any way I can, and know that you are with me day by day as my life goes by. Like Mary, your mother, though I know you only by faith, may my whole being proclaim your greatness and my spirit rejoice in your favor to me. O wisdom, holy word of God, Jesus Christ, holding all things in your strong yet tender hands, come and show us the way to salvation. Amen. O wisdom, holy word of God, Jesus Christ, holding all things in your strong yet tender hands, come and show us the way to salvation. That should really be the prayer of Advent. I love this. In all things in your strong yet tender hands. And we think about the little infant Jesus, that little baby, that tender baby. And yet that tender baby holds the world in his hands. That tender baby has strong hands that bring eternal life. And so here we come to the time that we proclaim the birth of Jesus Christ, to the time of his nativity, to the time that he entered into human history, the mystery, and brings us salvation. 
So let's hear from the scriptures. Again, the prophets, it's always so powerful to hear the words from the prophets and to hear that proclamation of the coming. And then, of course, we'll hear from the Gospel of Luke. So in today, the fourth Sunday of Advent, we hear from the prophet Micah. This is chapter 5, verses 1 through 4a. Thus says the Lord, you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, too small to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose origin is from of old, from ancient times. Therefore, the Lord will give them up until the time when she who is to give birth has born, and the rest of his kindred shall return to the children of Israel. He shall stand firm and shepherd his flock by the strength of the Lord in the majestic name of the Lord, his God, and they shall remain for now his greatness shall reach to the ends of the earth. He shall be peace. The word of the Lord. Our responsorial Psalm comes from Psalm 80. Lord, make us turn to you. Let us see your face, and we shall be saved. O shepherd of Israel, hearken. From your throne upon the cherubim shine forth. Rouse your power and come to save us. Lord, make us turn to you. Let us see your face, and we shall be saved. Once again, O Lord of hosts, look down from heaven and see. Take care of this vine and protect what your right hand has planted, the Son of Man, whom you yourself made strong. Lord, make us turn to you. Let us see your face, and we shall be saved. May your help be with the man of your right hand, with the Son of Man, whom you yourself made strong. Then we will no more withdraw from you. Give us new life, and we will call upon your name. Lord, make us turn to you, let us see your face, and we shall be saved. Our second reading comes from the letter to the Hebrews, chapter 10, verses 5 through 10. Brothers and sisters, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. In holocausts and sin offerings, you took no delight. Then I said, as is written of me in the scroll, behold, I come to do your will, O God. First, he says, sacrifices and offerings, holocausts and sin offerings, you neither desire nor delighted in. These are offered according to the law. Then he says, behold, I come to do your will. He takes away the first to establish the second. By this will, we have been consecrated through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. The word of the Lord. Our gospel reading comes from Luke chapter 1, verses 39 to 45. Mary set out and traveled to the hill country in haste to a town of Judah, where she entered the house of Zechariah 
and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the infant leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, cried out in a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how does this happen to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For at the moment the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the infant in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed are you who believed that what was spoken to you by the Lord would be fulfilled. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Just some beautiful readings to hear again in this last Sunday of Advent, and we've really had to work hard. I don't know about you, but I know I have had to work hard to really continue to keep the spirit of Advent because so much of the world just shines and and, and, and uh, glistens with Christmas but it's a commercialized Christmas. It's in a shopping Christmas and it's in a holiday Christmas. It's not in the holy day that we're preparing for this feast and this season that will come to proclaim the birth of Jesus Christ. You know, we come together to celebrate birthdays and sometimes it's been more popular to come together when little people celebrate their birthdays. You're one, two, three, four, five, maybe even up to 16. It's pretty exciting to come together and celebrate a birthday or when you hit a significant birthday, a 50, a 60, a 75, a 99-year-old birthday, a 100-year-old birthday. They're celebrations and we prepare for those those times to recognize birth, new life. And here we go back to the prophet Micah. And the prophet Micah is giving us the prophecy again, for you shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose origin is from of old, from ancient times. He shall stand firm and shepherd his flock by the strength of the Lord. This is the prophecy coming to be fulfilled and that he shall reach the ends of the earth. Everything will touch him and he shall be peace. It doesn't say he'll bring peace, but he shall be peace. The one to be born, the son of God is peace. And that's a great promise to be looking forward to. And now we know the promise has come to fruition. In the psalm, it's just such a beautiful psalm. Lord, make us turn to you. Let us see your face and we shall be saved. There's some action here. Turning to you. Let us turn to you. We have to do the turning that we have to change our ways to turn to the Lord so that we can see the face of God. And in seeing the face of God, in turning to him, in this repentance, in this return to the Lord, in this changing of our ways, repent, return, we receive salvation. You know, this is the reason why Jesus was born to die for the salvation of the world. 
And we hear actually Christ came into the world from this, this letter to the Hebrews, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but I came to do your will, O God, that Jesus is the sacrifice. He is the sacrifice to save all of mankind. Just this psalm, that one phrase to meditate on, um, make us turn to you, let us see your face so we shall be saved. There's this, again, calling this awaiting of the arrival, rouse your power and come to save us. This calling out that we want the Lord to save us. The last line in this, in this particular Psalm, give us new life and we will call upon your name. Do we recognize that with the life of Jesus Christ, his life provides all life. And when we call upon his name, Jesus Christ, God saves that we are calling upon that new life in us. Renew that life in us, Lord. Let us call on your name. Come to save us. It's just a beautiful calling, a cry that comes from the Psalms. And then we see uh, the story unfold. We've been awaiting the arrival of Jesus, and we've seen in different parts of the scripture the revelation to Mary from the angel Gabriel that she will bear a son named Jesus. We've seen Zechariah and Elizabeth conceive by the power of the Holy Spirit in, in, old, in their old age. They would conceive John. And he would be the precursor. He's the one who's been our, our voice, the voice crying out in the shepherd, uh, out, of, out of the desert, who's been telling us to repent, to change our ways, to be open to the one who will come following him, Jesus Christ, that he is the one, he is the lamb who will save. And now we see this example of Mary. And there's a lot to learn from Mary's example. She traveled to the hill country in haste. And we have seen the word haste in a few times in the scriptures, but think about what that means to go in haste. She didn't check the list of uh, well, what's it going to take to travel to Elizabeth's? I've heard different accounts that maybe close to 20 miles it would have been for her to travel. It wasn't a very easy trip to go on probably a donkey or some type of a, an animal, a beast of burden. And she immediately, when she heard, as she hears that she's going to conceive the son of God, that should cause a lot of questions to come into your mind when you're a mother for the first time to think I'm going to have a child. And not only I'm going to have a child, I'm going to be a mother, but I'm going to be mother. The angel has revealed that I'm going to be the mother of God. This is what my people have been waiting for, for all time. All of these generations have been waiting for the promise of the Messiah to happen. We have been told that it will happen. We've been told we don't know when, but that God will show himself to us by a virgin, 
there's so many prophecies that are now starting to be revealed and fulfilled in Mary's yes. And Mary says yes to the divine plan of God. And then she immediately goes to serve. She goes to serve Elizabeth. She learns Elizabeth is already six months pregnant. You know, she didn't get notification from Elizabeth earlier that she was pregnant. She didn't know of Elizabeth's pregnancy until that moment that the angel Gabriel revealed that information to her. There wasn't this easy way of sending information back and forth like we have today. I mean, we can immediately text somebody and share the good news, you know, but that didn't happen in Mary's case. Mary heard and her immediate response was to serve and to serve in God's divine plan. And although there were many risks, physical, emotional risks that would happen in her making haste on this trip, she didn't count those risks. She just went ahead anyway, because she knew and trusted that this is God's plan. I have to follow and care for my cousin Elizabeth, um, and I just have to go. I can't think about what's going to happen. And that's one of the great lessons I think we can learn about Mary's yes, about Elizabeth's yes, Zachariah's yes, Joseph's yes in the story, in the true story of the nativity of the incarnation is that when we make a commitment, when we say yes to God, when we make a commitment to another person, Yes, I'm going to pick you up at this time. Yes, I'm going to do this project for you. Yes, I'm going to marry you. Yes, I'm going to become a priest. Yes, I'm going to become a religious. Yes, I'm going to move in this particular vocation or training. There's a commitment, and we're going to commit to do this and not count the cost. I don't know what the end result will be. Mary didn't know what the end result would be to say yes to this child. Elizabeth and Zechariah didn't know what their yes in cooperating with God's plan would be to bring John into the world. But they said yes, and they received with joy the birth of their son, John. And when we have the invitation to follow God's plan, do we ponder and worry and concern ourselves with all of the, well, what if this happened? And what if that happened? And if I said yes here, this could happen and, and, and maybe it won't go so well. When we truly make the right commitments, a commitment to, to a vocation, to marriage, to religious life, to consecrated life, to virginity, that's a lifelong commitment. Regardless of the cost, regardless of the risks, we say yes and invite God to lead us through the ups and the downs, the crooked roads, the difficulties that will come. And we trust. Mary trusted in the message of the angel. Mary was given Joseph, betrothed to be her husband. She trusted that he would care for her and ultimately trusted that God provided for all of this to happen. In her young teenage mind, she trusted, she believed in what the angel said, the messenger of God, and she just followed 
the instinct, what the Holy Spirit gave her. I'm going to go serve Elizabeth. I'm going to share in the joy of my cousin. And we are both bearing children that are part of God's divine plan. These are our two children that have a particular place and time and a purpose. Certainly Jesus Christ, the son of God, and in John the Baptist's life, he has a purpose and a plan. And Mary and Elizabeth remind us that each life conceived has a plan, has a purpose. Once that conception is made, that woman becomes a mother. She has a plan in God's divine plan of being a mother, of caring for life. That life is sacred, that we should recognize in motherhood the beauty of life, the sacredness of life, the joy of life. Yes, there'll be troubles and difficulties and hardships, certainly, with all life. Yeah, maybe the financial situation isn't that good. Maybe the environment isn't that good. But you know what? God wills each life and has a purpose and plan for each life. And we will learn and we will grow and go through hardships, we'll go through joys, we'll get stronger through our weaknesses, and we'll come together as community. This is part of what I think is so beautiful of Mary and Joseph and Zachariah and Elizabeth coming together as a family community, sharing in the joy of God's plan. It's difficult. This is a hard time. In fact, a lot of people out there were kind of looking, maybe this isn't the right thing for Joseph to do, or they certainly weren't sure about Zechariah naming John, John, you know, is that really his name? But these individuals who said yes to God, who said yes, because they believed. I want to go into a little bit of, because um, I kept thinking about, okay, so here comes Mary to Elizabeth's house, the house of Zachariah, and Elizabeth immediately knows who's approaching her. Not just that it's her cousin, but it says that Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, she knew by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the gift of the Holy Spirit, she knew she didn't read it in a book. She didn't read it in a text. Nobody told her. She knew. That's the gift. That's the gift of God's grace. And we wonder about those in the world who don't believe, who maybe even are um, persecuting the church, persecuting our faith, denying the virginity of our Blessed Mother. De denying the infancy narrative. They haven't been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. They haven't received that gift of the Holy Spirit to know the truth. And while we do disagree on their offense of this, let us pray that those who don't believe would receive the Holy Spirit, would be open to the gift of the Holy Spirit, because in their ignorance, in their persecution of the church is an ignorance, is a lack of Holy Spirit. Here's Elizabeth and Mary filled with the Holy Spirit, and they make decisions based on belief and trust in God. 
the close of this, the last line, Elizabeth says to Mary, blessed are you who believed. You know, Elizabeth recognized that her cousin believed that what was spoken to her by the Lord would be fulfilled. You know, there's this recognition of belief. Seeing is believing. Believing is seeing. Once we believe, don't we see more? When you begin to believe in Jesus Christ, as you have continued to grow in your own sacramental life, I think about in my life, you know, the more that I have read Holy Scripture, the more that I come to Mass and receive the Eucharist, the more that I go to confession and receive absolution, the more that I grow in the divine life, the more I recognize God's presence around me. Blessed are you who believe that what was spoken to you, Mary, by the Lord would be fulfilled and that we would also recognize God's truth God's presence in our lives, and that we could imitate Mary and Elizabeth who continue in the commitment they've made for life. They've both made commitments to be mothers and to receive this new life in their womb, that they receive that life. And no matter what's going to happen in our lives, no matter what ups and downs can happen, that we will believe that we are part of God's plan and we will trust in God to the end. And that's what happens. Let us pray that as we come to the nativity scene, and that's my favorite part of midnight mass is to come into that church and every church has a different way of decorating their nativity scene. And we see Mary and we see Joseph and we see the infant Jesus and we see the little animals and we see a couple of shepherds looking awestruck at the baby. We don't see those magi yet. Don't see them this week, this upcoming weekend. We see that first scene of that first night of the nativity and we see the angels and I hope we see a star somewhere. Put yourself in that crib. My crib back there is empty right now. There's an angel in there, but we're waiting to receive the arrival of Jesus And I don't want your hearts to be so full of stuff, of unessentials, that you're not able to receive the big gift of eternal life. And so I'm going to close this time with the O Antiphons. And you heard a little bit of one today in this prayer that we shared. And the O Antiphons are prayed each evening in the church starting on the 17th of December through the 23rd of December. And they're beautiful ways to proclaim uh, the coming of Christ. And they accompany the Magnificat Canticle at the evening prayer. And so here's just a short proclamation for each night. And I hope through this week, if you can find the Oentifons, I'll, I'll post them uh, a link to them on this particular podcast, but you would just spend a little time reflecting on the presence of God in your life. December 17th, O wisdom of our God most high, guiding creation with power and love, come to teach us the path of knowledge. 
when you listen to these O antiphons, remember, we are calling God to come into our life, come into our world, come into the messiness of life. Come, Lord Jesus, December 18th. O leader of the house of Israel, giver of the law to Moses on Sinai, come to rescue us with your mighty power. December 19th, O root of Jesse's stem, sign of God's love for all his people, come to save us without delay. December 20th, O key of David, opening the gates of God's eternal kingdom, come and free the prisoners of darkness. December 21st, O radiant dawn, splendor of eternal light, son of justice, come and shine on those who dwell in darkness and in the shadow of death. December 22nd, O King of all nations and keystone of the church, come and save man whom you formed from the dust. And on December 23rd, O Emmanuel, our King and giver of law, come to save us, Lord our God. And let's close with this St. Andrew Christmas Novena. Hail and blessed be the hour and moment in which the Son of God was born of the most pure Virgin Mary at midnight in Bethlehem. In the piercing cold, in that hour vouchsafe, I beseech thee, O my God, to hear my prayer and grant my desires through the merits of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and of his blessed mother. Amen. Peace be with you. Have a beautiful final week of Advent. And next week, let us together wish one another and the world a Merry Christmas. You have been listening to Faith Moments with Dina Marie, reflections upon the liturgical scripture readings for the Sunday Mass. New podcast episodes are released weekly through the generous support of Mater Dei Radio. To learn more about Faith Moments with Dina Marie, visit me online at dinamarie.org. That's dinamarie.org. May you have a blessed week.